0: Chapter 4 of the Papers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It was not till five days later that they again came together, and during these days many things had happened. Maud Blandy had, with high elation for her own portion, a sharp sense of this. If it had at the time done nothing more intimate for her, the Sunday of bitterness just spent with Howard Bight had started, all abruptly, a turn of the tide of her luck this turn had not in the least been in the young man's having spoken to her of marriage since she hadn't even up to the late hour of their parting so much as answered him straight she dated the sense of difference much rather from the throb of a happy thought that had come to her while she cycled home to kilburnia in the darkness the throb had made her for the few minutes tired as she was put on speed and it had been the cause of still further proceedings for her the first thing the next morning the active step that was the essence of these proceedings had almost got itself taken before she went to bed which indeed was what had happened to the extent of her writing on the spot a meditated letter she sat down to it by the light of the guttering candle that awaited her on the dining-room table and in the stale air of family food that only had been a residuum so at the mercy of mere ventilation that she didn't so much as peep into a cupboard after which she had been on the point of nipping over as she would have said to drop it into that opposite pillar-box whose vivid maw opening out through thick london nights had received so many of her fruitless little ventures but she had checked herself and waited waited to be sure with the morning that her fancy wouldn't fade posting her note in the end however with a confident jerk as soon as she was up she had later on had business or at least had sought it among the haunts that she had taught herself to regard as professional but neither on the monday nor on either of the days that directly followed had she encountered there the friend whom it would take a difference in more matters than could as yet be dealt with to enable her to regard with proper assurance or with proper modesty as a lover whatever he was none the less it couldn't have otherwise come to her that it was possible to feel lonely in the strand that showed after all how thick they must constantly have been which was perhaps a thing to begin to think of in a new in a steadier light But it showed doubtless still more that her companion was probably up to something rather awful. It made her wonder, holding her breath a little, about Beadle Muffet, made her certain that he and his affairs would partly account for Byte's whirl of absence. Ever conscious of empty pockets, she had yet always a penny, or at least a halfpenny for a paper, and those she now scanned, she quickly assured herself, were edited quite as usual. Sir A. B. C. Beadle Muffet, K. C. B., M. P., had returned on Monday from Undertone, where Lord and Lady Whispers had, from the previous Friday, entertained a very select party. Sir A. B. C. Beadle Muffet, K. C. B., M. P., was to attend on Tuesday the weekly meeting of the Society of the Friends of Rest. Sir A. B. C. Beadle Muffet, K. C. B., M. P., had kindly consented to preside on wednesday at samaritan house at the opening of the sale of work of the middlesex incurables these familiar announcements however far from appeasing her curiosity had an effect upon her nerves she read into the mystic meanings that she had never read before her freedom of mind in this direction was indeed at the same time limited for her own horizon was already by the monday night bristling with new possibilities and the tuesday itself well what had the tuesday itself become with this eruption from within of interest amounting really to a revelation what had the tuesday itself become but the greatest day yet of her life such a description of it would have appeared to apply predominantly to the morning Had she not under the influence precisely of the morning's thrill gone towards evening with her design into the charing cross station there at the bookstall she bought them all every rag that was hawked and there as she unfolded one at a venture in the crowd and under the lamps she felt her consciousness further felt it for the moment quite impressively enriched personal peeps number ninety three a chat with the new dramatist needed neither the h b as the terminal signature nor a text spangled to the exclusion of almost everything else with mortimer marshalls that looked as tall as if lettered on posters to help to account for her young man's use of his time and yet as she soon made out it had been used with an economy that caused her both to wonder and to wince the peep commemorated being none other than their tea with the artless creature the previous saturday and the meagre incidents and pale impressions of that occasion furnishing forth the picture Byte had solicited no new interview he hadn't been such a fool for she saw soon enough with all her intelligence that this was what he would have been and that a repetition of contact would have dished him what he had done she found herself perceiving and perceiving with an emotion that caused her face to glow, was journalism of the intensest essence, a column concocted of nothing, an omelette made, as it were, without even the breaking of the egg or two that might have been expected to be the price. The poor gentleman's whereabouts at five o'clock was the only egg broken, and this light and delicate crash was the sound in the world that would be sweetest to him what stuff it had to be since the writer really knew nothing about him yet how its being just such stuff made it perfectly serve its purpose she might have marvelled afresh with more leisure at such purposes but she was lost in the wonder of seeing how without matter without thought without an excuse without a fact and yet at the same time sufficiently without a fiction He had managed to be as resonant as if he had beaten a drum on the platform of a booth. And he had not been too personal, not made anything awkward for her, had given nothing and nobody away, had tossed the Chippendale club into the air with such a turn that it had fluttered down again like a blown feather miles from its sight. The thirty-seven agencies would already be posting to their subscriber thirty-seven copies, and their subscriber on his side would be posting to his acquaintance many times thirty-seven and thus at least getting something for his money but this didn't tell her why her friend had taken the trouble if it had been a trouble why at all events he had taken the time pressed as he apparently was for that commodity these things she was indeed presently to learn but they were meanwhile part of a suspense composed of more elements than any she had yet tasted. And the suspense was prolonged, though other affairs, too, that were not part of it, almost equally crowded upon her, the week having almost waned when relief arrived in the form of a cryptic postcard. The postcard bore the H.B. like the precious peep, which had already had a wondrous sequel, and it appointed for the tea-hour a place of meeting familiar to maud with the simple addition of the significant word larks when the time he had indicated came she waited for him at their small table swabbed like the deck of a steam-packet nose to nose with a mustard-pot and a price-list in the consciousness of perhaps after all having as much to tell him as to hear from him it appeared indeed at first that this might well be the case for the questions that came up between them when he had taken his place were overwhelmingly those he himself insisted on putting what has he done what has he and what will he that inquiry not loud but deep had met him as he sat down without however producing the least recognition then she as soon as felt that his silence and his manner were enough for her or that if they hadn't been his wonderful look the straightest she had ever had from him would instantly have made them so he looked at her hard hard as if he had meant i say mind your eyes and it amounted really to a glimpse rather fearful of the subject it was no joke the subject clearly and her friend had fairly gained age and he had certainly lost weight in his recent dealings with it it struck her even with everything else that this was positively the way she would have liked them to show, if their union had taken the form they hadn't reached the point of discussing, wearily coming back to her from the thick of things, wanting to put on his slippers and have his tea, all prepared by her and in their place, and beautifully to be trusted to regale her in his turn. He was excitedly, disavowedly, and it took more disavowal still after she had opened her budget which she did in truth by saying to him as her first alternative what did you do for him poor mortimer marshall it isn't that he's not in the seventh heaven he is in the seventh heaven bite quickly broke in he doesn't want my blood did you do him she asked that he should want it it's splendid how you could simply on that show that show why said howard bite that show was an immensity That show was volumes, stacks, abysses. He said it in such a tone that she was a little at a loss. Oh, you don't want abysses. Not much to knock off such twaddle. There isn't a breath in it of what I saw. What I saw is my own affair. I've got the abysses for myself. They're in my head. It's always something. But the monster, he demanded, has written you?' how couldn't he that night i got it the next morning telling me how much he wanted to thank me and asking me where he might see me so i went said Maud, to see him at his own place again at his own place again what do i yearn for but to be received at people's own places yes for the stuff but when you've had as you had had from him the stuff well sometimes you see i get more he gives me all i can take it was in her head to ask if by chance Bite were jealous, but she gave it another turn. We had a big palaver, partly about you. He appreciates." Me? Me, first of all, I think. All the more that I've had, fancy, a proof of my stuff, the despised and rejected as originally concocted, and that he has now seen it. I tried it on again with brains, the night of your thing, sent it off with your thing enclosed as a rouser. They took it by return, like a shot, you'll see on Wednesday, and if the dear man lives till then, for impatience, I'm to lunch with him that day.' "'I see,' said Bite, "'Well, that was what I did it for. It shows how right I was.' They faced each other, across their thick crockery, with eyes that said more than their words, and that above all said and asked other things. So she went on in a moment. "'I don't know what he doesn't expect and he thinks I can keep it up. Lunch with him every Wednesday? Oh, he'd give me lunch and more. It was last Sunday that you were right, about my sitting close, she pursued. I'd have been a pretty fool to jump. Suddenly, I see the music begins. I'm awfully obliged to you. You feel, he presently asked, quite differently, so differently, that I've missed my chance? I don't care for that serpent, but there's something else that you don't tell me. The young man, detached and a little spent, with his shoulder against the wall and a hand vaguely playing over the knives, forks, and spoons, dropped his succession of sentences without an apparent direction. Something else has come up, and you're pleased as punch, or rather you're not quite entirely so, because you can't goad me to fury. You can't worry me as much as you'd like. Marry me first, old man, and then see if I mind. Why shouldn't you keep it up? I mean lunching with him his questions came as in play that was a little pointless without his waiting more than a moment for answers though it was not indeed that she might not have answered even in the moment had not the pointless play been more what she wanted was it at the place he went on that he took us to dear no at his flat where i've been before you'll see in brains on wednesday i don't think i've muffed it it's really rather there but he showed me everything this time, the bathroom, the refrigerator, and the machines for stretching his trousers. He has nine, and in constant use. Nine, said Byte gravely. Nine. Nine trousers? Nine machines. I don't know how many trousers. Ah, my dear, he said, that's a grave omission. The want of the information will be felt and resented. But does it all, at any rate, he asked, "'Sufficiently fetch you?' After which, as she didn't speak, he lapsed into helpless sincerity. "'Is it really, you think, his dream to secure you?' She replied on this, as if his tone made it too amusing. "'Quite. There's no mistaking it. He sees me as, most days in the year, pulling the wires and beating the drums somewhere. That is, he sees me, of course, not exactly as writing about our home, once I've got one, myself.' But as procuring others to do it, through my being, as you've made him believe, in with the organs of public opinion. He doesn't see, if I'm half-decent, why there shouldn't be something about him every day in the week. He's all right, and he's all ready. And who, after all, can do him so well as the partner of his flat? It's like making, in one of those big domestic siphons, the luxury of the poor, your own soda-water. It comes cheaper, and it's always on the sideboard. Vichy chez soi, the interviewer at home. Her companion took it in. Your place is on my sideboard. You're really a first-class fizz. He steps then, at any rate, into Beadle Muffet's place. That, Maud assented, is what he would like to do. And she knew more than ever there was something to wait for. It's a lovely opening, bite. returned. But he still said for the moment nothing else, as if charged to the brim, though he had originally been, she had rather led his thought away. "'What have you done with poor Beadle?' she consequently asked. "'What is it, in the name of goodness, you're doing to him? It's worse than ever.' "'Of course it's worse than ever.' "'He capers,' said Maud, "'on every housetop. He jumps out of every bush,' with which her anxiety really broke out. "'Is it you that are doing it?' If you mean am I seeing him? I certainly am. I'm seeing nobody else. I assure you he's spread thick. But you're acting for him? Byte waited. Five hundred people are acting for him. But the difficulty is that what he calls the terrific forces of publicity, by which he means ten thousand other persons, are acting against him. We've all, in fact, been turned on, to turn everything off. And that's exactly the job that makes the biggest noise. It appears everywhere, in every kind of connection, and every kind of type, that Sir A. B. C. Beedle, Muffet, K. C. B. M. P. desires to cease to appear anywhere. And then it appears that his desiring to cease to appear is observed to conduce directly to his more tremendously appearing, or certainly, and in the most striking manner, to his not in the least disappearing. THE WORKSHOP OF SILENCE ROARS LIKE THE ZOO AT DINNER-TIME. HE CAN'T DISAPPEAR. HE HASN'T weight ENOUGH TO SINK. THE SPLASH THE DIVER MAKES, YOU KNOW, TELLS WHERE HE IS. IF YOU ASK ME WHAT I'M DOING, BYTE WOUND UP, I'M HOLDING HIM under water. BUT WE'RE IN THE MIDDLE OF THE POND, THE BANKS ARE THRONGED WITH SPECTATORS, AND I'M EXPECTING FROM DAY TO DAY TO SEE STANDS ERECTED AND GATE MONEY TAKEN. THERE, HE WEARILY SMILED, YOU HAVE IT. "'Besides,' he then added, with an odd change of tone, "'I rather think you'll see to-morrow.' He had made her at last horribly nervous. "'What shall I see?' "'It will all be out.' "'That why shouldn't you tell me?' "'Well,' the young man said, "'he has disappeared. There you are. I mean personally, he's not to be found. But nothing could make more, you see, for ubiquity. The country will ring with it. He vanished on Tuesday night.' was then last seen at his club. Since then he has given no sign. How can a man disappear who does that sort of thing? It is, as you say, to caper on the housetops, but it will only be known tonight. Since when, then? Maud asked. Have you known it? Since three o'clock today, but I've kept it. I am, a while longer, keeping it. She wondered. She was full of fears. What do you expect to get for it? Nothing, if you spoil my market. I seem to make out that you want to. She gave this no heed. She had her thought. Why, then, did you three days ago wire me a mystic word? Mystic? What do you call larks? Oh, I remember. Well, it was because I saw larks coming, because I saw I mean what has happened. I was sure it would have to happen. And what the mischief is it? Byte smiled why what i tell you that place he is gone gone where simply bolted to parts unknown where is what nobody who belongs to him is able in the least to say or seems likely to be able any more than why any more than why only you are able to say that well said bite i can say what has so lately stared me in the face what he has been thrusting at me in all its grotesqueness his desire for a greater privacy worked through the papers themselves. He came to me with it, the young man presently added. I didn't go to him. And he trusted you? Maud replied. Well, you see what I have given him, the very flower of my genius. What more do you want? I'm spent, seedy, sore. I'm sick, Byte declared, of his beastly funk. Maud's eyes, in spite of it, were still a little hard is he thoroughly sincere good god no how can he be only trying it as a cat for a jump tries to smooth the wall he drops straight back then isn't his funk real as real as he himself is Maud wondered isn't his flight that's what we shall see isn't she continued his reason ah he laughed out there you are again but she had another thought and was not discouraged Mayn't he be honestly mad? Mad? Oh, yes, but not, I think, honestly. He's not honestly anything in the world, but the beetle-muffet of our delight. Your delight, Maud observed after a moment, revolts me. And then she said, When did you last see him? On Tuesday, at six, love. I was one of the last. Decidedly, too, then, I judge one of the worst. She gave him her idea. You hounded him on. I reported, said Byte, success, told him how it was going. Oh, I can see you, so that if he's dead... Well, asked Byte blandly, his blood is on your hands. He eyed his hands a moment. They are dirty for him. But now, darling, he went on, be so good as to show me yours. Tell me first, she objected, what you believe. Is it suicide? I think that's the thing for us to make it, till somebody, he smiled, makes it something else. And he showed how he warmed to the view. There are weeks of it, dearest, yet. He leaned more toward her, with his elbows on the table, and in this position moved by her extreme gravity, he lightly flicked her chin with his finger. She threw herself, still grave, back from his touch, but they remained thus a while closely confronted well she at last remarked i shan't pity you you make it then every one except me i mean she continued if you do have to loathe yourself oh i shan't miss it and then as if to show how little i did mean it you know at richmond he declared i won't have you if you've killed him she presently returned you'll decide in that case for the nine and as the allusion with its funny emphasis left her blank you want to wear all the trousers you deserve she said when light came that i should take him and she kept it up it's a lovely flat well he could do as much nine i suppose appeals to you as the number of the muses this short passage remarkably for all its irony brought them together again to the extent at least of leaving Maud's elbows on the table and of keeping her friend, now a little back in his chair, firm while he listened to her. So the girl came out. I've seen Mrs. Chorna three times. I wrote that night, after our talk at Richmond, asking her to oblige. And I put on Cheek as I had never, never put it. I said the public would be so glad to hear from her, on the occasion of her engagement. Do you call that Cheek? Bite looked amused. She, at any rate, rose straight. No, she rose crooked, but she rose. What you had told me there in the park, well, immediately happened. She did consent to see me, and so far you had been right in keeping me up to it. But what do you think it was for? To show you her flat, her tub, her petticoats? She doesn't live in a flat. She lives in a house of her own, and a jolly good one, in Green Street Park Lane though I did, as happened, see her tub, which is a dream, all marble and silver, like a kind of swagger sarcophagus, a thing for the Wallace collection. And though her petticoats, as she first shows, seem all that, if you wear petticoats yourself, you can look at. There's no doubt of her money, given her place in her things, and given her appearance too, poor dear, which would take some doing. Is she squints? Bite sympathetically asked she's so ugly that she has to be rich she couldn't afford it on less than five thousand a year as it is i could well see she can afford anything even such a nose but she's funny and decent sharp but a really good sort and they're not engaged she told you so then there you are it all depends maud went on and you don't know where i am at all i know what it depends on "'Then there you are again. It's a mine of gold.' "'Possibly, but not in your sense. She wouldn't give me the first word of an interview. It wasn't for that that she received me. It was for something much better.' "'Well, Bite easily guessed.' "'For my job?' "'To see what can be done. She loathes his publicity.' The young man's face lighted. "'She told you so?' "'She received me on purpose to tell me.' Then why do you question my larks? What do you want more? I want nothing, with what I have. Nothing, I mean, but to help her. We made friends. I like her, and she likes me, said Maud Blandy. Like Mortimer Marshall, precisely. No, precisely not like Mortimer Marshall. I caught her on the spot, her idea. That was what took her. Her idea is that I can help her, help her to keep them quiet about Beadle. FOR WHICH PURPOSE I SEEM TO HAVE STRUCK HER AS FALLING FROM THE SKIES JUST AT THE RIGHT MOMENT INTO HER LAP. HOWARD BYTE FOLLOWED, YET LINGERED BY THE WAY. TO KEEP WHOM QUIET? WHY, THE BEASTLY PAPERS, WHAT WE'VE BEEN TALKING ABOUT. SHE WANTS HIM STRAIGHT OUT OF THEM, STRAIGHT. SHE, TOO, BYTE WONDERED? THEN SHE'S IN TERROR? NO, NOT IN TERROR, OR IT WASN'T THAT WHEN I LAST SAW HER, BUT IN MORTAL DISGUST she feels it has gone too far, which is what she wanted me, as an honest, decent, likely young woman, up to my neck in it, as she supposed, to understand from her. My relation with her is now that I do understand, and that if an improvement takes place, I shan't have been the worse for it. Therefore, you see, Maud went on, you simply cut my throat when you prevent improvement. "'Well, my dear,' her friend returned, "'I won't let you bleed to death.' and he showed with this as confessedly struck. "'She does then, you think, no, no what?' "'Why, what, about him that there may be to be known? Doesn't know of his flight?' "'She didn't, certainly.' "'Nor of anything to make it likely?' "'What you call his queer reason?' "'No, she named it to me no more than you have, though she does mention distinctly that he himself hates, or pretends to hate, the exhibition daily made of him she speaks of it, Byte asked as pretending Maud straightened it out, she feels him that she practically told me as rather ridiculous. She honestly has her feeling, and upon my word, it's what I like her for. Her stomach is turned, and she has made it her condition. Muzzle your press, she says, then we'll talk. She gives him three months, she'll give him even six and this meanwhile when he comes to you is how you forward the musling the press my child bite said is the watchdog of civilization and the watchdog happens to be it can't be helped in a chronic state of rabies musling is easy talk one can but keep the animal on the run mrs chawner however he added seems a figure of fable it's what i told you she would have to be when some time back you threw out, as a pure hypothesis, to supply the man with a motive, your exact vision of her. Your motive has come true, Maud went on, with the difference only, if I understand you, that this doesn't appear the whole of it. That doesn't matter, she frankly paid him a tribute. Your forecast was inspiration. A stroke of genius, he had been the first to feel it. But there were matters less clear. When did you see her last? Four days ago. It was the third time. And even then, she didn't imagine the truth about him? I don't know, you see, said Maud, what you call the truth. Well, that he, quite by that time, didn't know where the deuce to turn. That's truth enough. Maud made sure. I don't see how she can have known it and not have been upset. She wasn't, said the girl, upset. She isn't upset. But she's original. Well, Poor thing, Byte remarked. She'll have to be. Original? Upset, yes, and original too, if she doesn't give up the job. It had held him an instant. But there were many things. She sees the wild ass he is, and yet she's willing. Willing is just what I asked you three months ago, Maud returned. How she could be. He had lost it. He tried to remember. What then did I say? well, practically that women are idiots. Also, I believe, that he's a dazzling beauty. Ah, yes, he is, poor wretch, though beauty to-day in distress. Then there you are, said Maud. They had got up, as at the end of their story, but they stood a moment while he waited for change. If it comes out, the girl dropped, that will save him. If he's dishonoured, as I see her, she'll have him, because then he won't be ridiculous, and I can understand it. Bite looked at her in such appreciation that he forgot, as he pocketed it, to glance at his change. "'Oh, you creatures! Idiots, aren't we?' Bite let the question pass, but still with his eyes on her. "'You ought to want him to be dishonored. "'I can't want him, then, if he's to get the good of it, to be dead.' Still, for a little while, he looked at her. "'And if you're to get the good?' but she had turned away, and he went with her to the door, before which, when they had passed out, they had in the side street a backwater to the flood of the Strand, a further sharp colloquy. They were alone, the small street for a moment empty, and they felt at first that they had adjourned to a greater privacy, of which, for that matter, he took prompt advantage. "'You're to lunch again with the man of the flat?' "'Wednesday, as I say, one forty-five. "'Then oblige me by stopping away.' "'You don't like it?' Maud asked. "'Oblige me, oblige me,' he repeated. "'And disoblige him? "'Chuck him. We've started him. It's enough.' "'Well, the girl but wanted to be fair. "'It's you who started him, so I admit you're quits.' "'That then started you, made brains repent, "'so you see what you both owe me. "'I let the creature off, but I hold you to your debt.' there's only one way for you to meet it.' And then, as she but looked into the roaring strand, with worship. It made her, after a minute, meet his eyes, but something just then occurred that stayed any word on the lips of either. A sound reached their ears, as yet unheeded, the sound of newsboys in the great thoroughfare shouting, "'Extra specials!' and mingling with the shout, a catch that startled them. The expression in their eyes quickened as they heard it, borne on the air. "'Mysterious disappearance!' and then lost it in the hubbub. It was easy to complete the cry, and Byte himself gasped. Beetle Muffet, confound them!' "'Already?' Maud had turned positively pale. "'They've got it first. Be hanged to them!' Byte gave a laugh, a tribute to their push but her hand was on his arm for a sign to listen again it was there in the raucous throats it was there for a penny under the lamps and in the thick of the stream that stared and passed and left it they caught the whole thing prominent public man and there was something brutal and sinister in the way it was given to the flaring night to the other competing sounds to the general hardness of hearing and sight which was yet on london pavements "'compatible with an interest sufficient for cynicism. "'He had been, poor Beadle, public and prominent, "'but he had never affected Maud Blandley, "'at least as so marked with this character, "'as while thus loudly committed to extinction. "'It was horrid, it was tragic, "'yet her lament for him was dry. "'If he's gone, I'm dished.' "'Oh, he's gone now,' said Byte. "'I mean if he's dead.' well perhaps he isn't i see bite added what you do mean if he's dead you can't kill him oh she wants him alive said maud otherwise she can't chuck him to which the girl however anxious and wondering made no direct reply good-bye to mrs Chawner, and i owe it to you ah my love he vaguely appealed yes it's you who have destroyed him and it makes up for what you've done for me. I've done it, you mean, against you? I didn't know, he said, you'd take it so hard. And as he spoke, the cries sounded out Mysterious disappearance of prominent public man. It seemed to swell as they listened. Maud started with impatience. I hate it too much, she said, and quitted him to join the crowd. He was quickly at her side, however and before she reached the strand he had brought her again to a pause do you mean you hated so much you won't have me it had pulled her up short and her answer was proportionately straight i won't have you if he's dead then will you if he's not at this she looked at him hard do you know first no blessed if i do on your honour on my honour Well, she said, after a hesitation, if she doesn't drop me, it's an understood thing, he pressed. But again she hung fire. Well, produce him first. They stood there, striking their bargain, and it was made, by the long look they exchanged, a question of good faith. I'll produce him, said Howard Byte. End of chapter 4